What do you want to do with your life? I hope to die in a world that I was glad to live in, which means I will either exist like a tree or like fire. We will try to live in the world by burning and destroying it, or by learning to produce life where we are, firmly rooting ourselves in the soil, taking only what we need, and seeing to the preservation and enrichment of that which is our only home. May you live like a tree and not like a fire. I owe you an apology, dear listener. That, that, that is, if, uh, if you've been following along on this ecological journey, uh, this should have been wrapped up a long time ago, and uh, I imagine most people aren't as interested in this conversation as uh, maybe I am. It probably could have been way shorter, but... I also had said that last episode I was going to give you some tangible practices. I kind of did, with food at least, but the real promise was that I would end all of this with something more tangible. Because this whole conversation on, on ecological ethics has been a bit esoteric. Now, I don't want to disappoint you, but... As with every good thing, there is no template to just plug in and follow. There's no product to purchase to obtain ecological entanglement. In fact, I think that would defeat the purpose. So if you're, we're hoping for like a, like a three-day course or some other self-help solution and really pretty packaging, um, I'm always going to disappoint you with that. I'm also hoping that we can consider that the more esoteric or, or philosophical approach to this is necessary. I mean, even with ecology, there's lots of perspectives and there's lots of people talking about it on, on both sides of the issue, which I've already said I don't think we should have sides with this and turn it into some political thing. But uh, rarely do we just think deeply about the things that we're so passionate about. Literally, with with almost any concept that I hear being brought up in, in the social sphere of at least the culture of the United States, we're not thinking deeply about it. And so, yeah, we, we took like four hours worth of your time to think more deeply about it. I'm sorry, but I also kind of think it's necessary. But I also want to give you a somewhat decently articulated form of approaching ecological practices. And again, this is all set apart, or, or at least I've tried to set it apart from the common conversation of the day, you know, go green or be a litter bug. Yeah, I'm bored already. How do we bring all this stuff together? How do we enact ecological entanglement? How do we honor the four premises of ecological theory? How do we actually do place economy stuff? And like I said last episode, the best way is to just start somewhere. Ain't no one going to nail it. If there is a standard, it's impossible and it's unobtainable. So just start. And, and don't do it because it's going to save something. Do it because it's the best thing to do. If you think all of this nonsense has been accurate, at least in part, then the motivation is right living, not fixing something. Improvement might be a byproduct, but it can't be the goal. Like, are we intrinsically motivated to live in a way because it is part of being a mortal soul? If the only reason, you know, you show love to a child is to fix a relationship, well, it might not even work. And then that love has an ulterior motive. 
And so if the only thing that happens is that you live healthily, is that still worth it? So then what do we do? And that's what we'll get into. As always, thanks for your support, for listening, for sharing, for subscribing, all of that. And to those of you who donate, thanks a ton. Uh, you can find more on tylerkleberger.com. And if you can donate, if, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you can do that at coffee, which is ko-fi.com slash becoming human. Um, and I should mention too, just for reference, if you're looking for a more theological angle to all of this, some of this content uh, of the past few episodes is in a book called Red Skies. It's a bunch of authors writing on topics for the modern church. Um, I was asked to contribute on eco-theology, which shares a lot of these same thoughts, uh, but with a theological bend. So uh, that's available if you're interested in that as well. But let's get into it. Let's learn, let's grow, and let's become more human in this vast, beautiful, wide world. All right, so here's the question, the big opener. How would you live if you were exactly what was needed to bring health to the world? How would you live if you were going to embody all of these ecological ideals? And there's a ton of answers here. And eventually, I will give my suggestions. Again, I don't have a template for you. But the first thing I hope you felt in that question is, where do we even start? Like, yeah, it start somewhere, but what? what? How do we do this? Or, or more appropriately, uh, you might be responding, this just ain't going to happen, my friend. And you are right. It won't. And that is where I want to make sure we start. Maybe you, you could even say that this is the first suggestion. Know that you will most likely fail. There's this big ideal. If we took all of these practices and ideas and started graphing that ideal against reality, I doubt they will ever line up perfectly. And I found great benefit, or maybe I'm just justifying myself, in simply acknowledging the impossibility of doing this perfectly. If we're going to live in our society, it implies that we will be participating in a way of life that's pretty incompatible with the ideals of ecological ethics. And we explored all of this back in, in the episodes on work and economy. Every society has had a similar problem, albeit with different circumstances. It's part of the human predicament. And our society has made a package deal where we've chosen certain things against others. You live in that. And if you're going like, oh, no, no, but these ideals sound so great. Well, then you're going to have to get rid of a lot of things to make that happen. And I don't know that we will. I don't know that we would want to. I don't know that we actually can, at least not all at once. So also know like whether it's place economy or ecological entanglement or what we talked about with food last time. I'm not saying that we're just going to be able to scrap our society as it is and start over. Uh, that's not going to happen. I mean, you hear people talk about how it could happen, you know, going back to the Stone Age. Uh, but I don't think it will. I think we also have a propensity to start transitioning in ways that could be more beneficial than what we're working with right now. 
because all of this doesn't mean that we can't make progress. And this is with any human endeavor, okay? We're, we're, we're venturing toward the center of a circle. Like, think of this all like a target. You have this, this goal, right? This teleological intent, um, the, these ontological and, and, and epistemological hopes, and that's all great. And so you can think of that kind of ideal as the, the center of a circle. Funny thing about physics you can never get to the center. Now, if you've ever heard of Zeno's paradox, space can be divided infinitely, okay? And I think we need to be honest about this with ecology. Nobody that I've met is there, and none of us will probably fully get there. So we should stop throwing around words like sustainable as if we've somehow arrived, uh, not to mention that most of our sustainable actions or products are just less worse versions of the same things that we're supposedly rebelling against. Like, just for an example, and I'm not trying to be critical here, electric cars are cool, but they're still cars. How, how exactly does one sustain a decline? So if we look at this and go, okay, that's the ideal, but oh no, it's actually impossible. One option is just to be Okay, forget about it then. This is why I say that the goal shouldn't be to solve a problem or fix a situation. It should be, is this the best thing to do? Is this the best way to do it? And if it is, okay, just try to get closer and closer to that center of the circle. Just just, just try to make that ideal in the, the graph or chart uh, be have a little bit less of a gap. It, and, and that's the whole point, like moving toward this universal flourishing and health and place economy, whatever. It can't be a puzzle to solve. There's no final answer that you'll either uncover or you'll fail the test. That's not how this works. We also have the problem in our world today that to completely achieve this goal would require a completely different way of life. So if our answers are better than what is, celebrate that. But a lot of time, our answers are just slightly better ways of the same issue. We can't just, and this is what we got to be honest about, we can't just amend our lifestyle if we're going to do this completely right. We have to replace it. We can't just try to do our current standard of living better when the standard is the problem. You have to actually change what you value, which is why I spent, uh, I don't know, three full episodes emphasizing just the value. So here then, this bad news. We probably won't do it. We will continue to function according to compromises in every moment of every day. So just be honest about it. And, and what I found is simply by seeing it as a compromise, you're doing better than you would otherwise. I drive a car. According to the values and propositions I've given, that's a compromise. I eat fast food. Compromise. I'm not going to try and justify it or do like a mental sleight of hand to confirm my bias. I'm not at the center of that ecological circle. So amidst the compromises, the only thing I can do is try to mitigate the gap of where I am versus where I hope to be. You know, if I took that graph with reality charted against the ideal, the best thing I can do is to recognize what isn't quite there and then take the next right step. 
knowing that the next right step still won't eliminate the gap between my reality and the ideal, it's an infinite journey. It's a long process, the long game. And possibly the best thing I can do is hand those who come after me a better process and a smaller gap to mitigate. Like a lot of time in ecological conversations, the biggest proclamation I hear is that we want to leave a better world for our grandchildren. Yeah, wonderful. But I wonder if the actual sentiment, since we aren't worried about fixing something, but worried about living well, is to make living according to ecological ethics a bit easier for those who come after us. Which all starts with acknowledging our compromises. So that's suggestion one. It's really just a suggestion to be honest. Don't don't try to hide the actual issue behind really great rhetoric, but also don't just say it's not even worth it. Like, why should we even care? We got to frame this thing correctly. The best way of living is way out in the distance, but it's not out of reach. So just keep trying to make that reality happen. But let's get to the actual suggestions. And uh, I frame these as questions, questions to ask in a decision-making process. So the, the tricky thing about morals and ethics is that uh, generalized notions are difficult. The benefit of questions is that it allows you to look at the current situation uh, and come to conclusions. So this is uh, the difference between in, in ethical conversations, absolutist or, or generalist perspectives and uh, consequential ethics or, or situational ethics. All right. So I'm just going to read these. Uh, I'm not going to break them down or offer commentary. So think of this kind of as a reflection exercise. Um, at one point in my life, I had these written down and I put them up in my home uh, just to kind of stare at me in the midst of my constant decisions. Use them however you want. Listen to them again if you need to. Rewrite them. Make them your own. Whatever works for you. Uh, the point is just to give us something to consider so that when we make real decisions that will have ethical effects, we're doing so in the most informed way we can. Here we go. All right. First, when thinking about anything you consume or purchase or use, ask these questions. Are the things I consume from my place and for the good of my place? Are the things I consume more than I need? Are the things I consume used? Do they honor thrift and frugality? Can I use the item in question past my demand for something new? Are the things I consume quality? Were these things made with skill and craft as a higher standard than profit? Are the things I consume destructive? Was anything lost in creating or consuming this? What costs are involved other than money? Are the things I consume known? Do I know where this came from? How it got here? What it took to make it? And if it is good? Second, and this is just to emphasize from last time, we can do the same thing with food. So when it comes to food, we can ask, is this food, how it got here, and how I am consuming it, pleasurable? 
is it a gift I treat with respect, mindfulness, and gratitude? Is this food violent? What was destroyed to satisfy my consumption? Did it cause harm that will continue to affect the world in a negative direction? Is this food, how it got here and how I am consuming it, good for my place? Was it made by my place, for my place, and in reflection of my place? Have I tailored my desires to the limits of where I am? Is this food, how it got here and how I am consuming it, healthy? Ideally, your food shouldn't kill you. But does it also benefit every other concentric circle outside of myself according to the standards of ecological entanglement? Is this food sustainable? Is the production of this food done in a way that can sustain indefinitely? Is this food how it got here and how I am consuming it with others? Nothing connects us more than eating food together. And that's it. We could uh, and need to keep asking similar kinds of questions with, you know, like, how can we mitigate our travel? Because that would infer some things from the questions we asked. Or how can we better spend our time outside of entertainment machines? How can we enjoy the pleasure of good work? And this isn't something that I've talked about a lot in this process, but uh, you might have noticed that in discussing things like place economy or the four premises of ecological theory, uh, it kind of assumes that there's a lot of work to be done, that, that it takes a lot. And uh, our society is really like hell-bent on labor-saving technology. And I get that, and I benefit from that tremendously. But at the same time, there's something about good work. And we tend to want to avoid that if we can, especially if it makes us more profit. But, but sometimes the most human thing we can do is actually the harder thing. And, and really, our dependence on technology, on these apparent penultimate forms of civilization we so highly praise, they are often at the expense of our lives, of our places, of our people, of the world. Progress, as it goes, is not always progress. We need to waste less, spend less, use less, need less. We need to create a higher demand for economies and practices that preserve places in the world, all of it. We need to reduce scale. We need to reduce overhead. We need to reduce dependency on companies that do not know us and do not care for us and where we are. And this is more than just shopping local or eating at farm-to-table restaurants. And, and often the hip uh, food and shopping establishments, they're either overpriced and, and therefore inaccessible to the majority of the population, or they're simply playing that sleight of hand. You know, They look different, they say all the right things, but they're still doing everything according to the mass-produced industrial rules. It's maybe a less worse version of the same thing. But how do we live? and work in a way that can sustain indefinitely. How do we remake a culture that will preserve our part of the world and use it without destroying it? We need to start taking the side of the world, which is actually taking our own side, which means that the world is going to look vastly different than it does right now. 
And we also need to acknowledge we're not going to do it all at once. Like if, if this was a test and everything you did, we put up against those questions I just asked, we all fail. And we're never going to completely do any of those things. The questions aren't designed so that you can find out if you pass the test or not. The questions are designed to help us keep moving, to keep growing. That maybe every day, every year, we're doing this a little bit better. If indeed these standards and this philosophical context is the best version. In my opinion, the most ancient, worthy, and pleasing responsibility of being alive in this world is to cherish what remains of it and foster its health. This also may be our only legitimate hope for a good world. The goal of life may just be to attain the rest and peace that is found pulsating in the existence of all things. And so I'll end all of this ecological conversation. I I do hope that you have enjoyed it, but I'll end it with this. How would you live if you were exactly what was needed to bring health to the world? Because you are. May you grow like a tree and not like a fire. <laughs>